and welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Thursday, February the 23rd, 2023. It is episode 150, 150 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, as well as YouTube. However you listen, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, five star, two star, one star, two and a half star, I don't care. Just any interaction is better than no interaction at all. Selfishly, we would like them to be higher ratings and lower, but I will not hold it against you if you decide to go low. But just vote and subscribe and give us a thumbs up. Uh, On this week's show, we will look ahead to the two big prep races happening here at Oakland Park, and as I say here at Oakland Park, I got to Hot Springs, Arkansas, Wednesday night, late night. The weather threw a, a big old monkey wrench into things. I wasn't supposed to arrive until today. We had to move my flight up to Wednesday because of travel all across the country. It's been kind of shitty all over the place, but especially back home. So got out of Dodge, got in late on Wednesday night. Uh, have a day here to kind of get settled in, do some work, get ready take a look at these two big prep races, one for the Kentucky Derby, one for the Kentucky Oaks coming up on Saturday afternoon. You can watch the entire card along with those two races over on FanDuel TV. That's where I will be with a a full crew, full cast of characters down here in Arkansas, Christina Blacker, Michael Joyce, Matt Carruthers, Joaquin Jaime. Uh, We will be bringing you racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from Hot Springs. I am currently in my hotel room looking out the window. It is 3.45 local. And I'm looking at the first turn, the clubhouse turn at the racetrack. I have not explored the casino area really at all. Um, I got in. I crashed. Uh, This morning, I ran to a convenience store. uh, Rhymes with uh, ball trains. Needed to get some things. Went over there, did that. Beautiful day today. Friday and Saturday look kind of crummy. 50 and rain. And then Sunday, I'll work the first half of the card and get out of here ASAP for a 6.30 flight back home Sunday night. Take a couple days off. And then turn right around and head back. The return to Hallandale. To Gulfstream Park for first Saturday next weekend. Diving into all things Fountain of Youth. We're already at the Fountain of Youth. Unbelievable. But first things first, we have Rebel and Honeybee coming up here this weekend. And before we dive into those races, we'll do what we did last weekend with the Risen Star and the Rachel Alexandra, kind of give the rundown of what I think fair odds would be, horses I like, horses I don't like. We'll take the field right in post position order. Let's reflect quickly back on last week. Uh, We'll start with the boys. I was very high on Tappet's Conquest. And to be fair, I have watched the replay maybe one time to this point. The the pace, I didn't think there was really any excuse for him not to finish better than he did. Angel of Empire was much better. Uh, but the pace was a factor. I had said in the pre-race leading in, I thought it would be fast, but not supersonic fast. It would be fast enough that everyone had a chance. Um, and maybe it actually was closer to supersonic, but I don't really buy that. I think it was. I think it was just a fast, genuine pace. They went hard early. The horses that were forward paid the price. The horses that were able to rally from off of it took advantage. And here we are now. Am I way off of Tappet's Conquest at this point? No. 
you know, when you take a look at the, the figures that were earned in that race, Angel of Empire in 89, he's got that nice upward trajectory. Sun Thunder comes back, runs a good race with an 89 buyer, two fills. You could, I think you can argue with the dynamic and the way the race played out, ran the best race, closest to the pace early on and still had a little bit of finish at the end. He runs third with an 86 buyer. And then Tappet's Conquest is fourth with an 85. Part of the reason I'm not giving up on him just yet. And I'm not as bullish as I was going into last weekend. And not because of this performance per se, finishing fourth. I think it's a good thing. You got points, you can still move on from that. Again, I reserve the judgment to go back and sort of tweak this opinion a little bit. But just purely based on the way he was running. The first turn, he really needed to be asked again, kind of kept a task. Made a really nice move running the far turn. He was extremely wide. And I think the thing I was most, not disheartened, because it makes it sound like I'm really, you know, off the bandwagon, which I'm not. I just wish he had finished a little bit better than he did. In Daily Racing Form's Formulator product, he finished in 1323, Angel of Empire 1285. Angel of Empire starting in front of him, I know didn't carry as much ground, but finishing a half a second faster, you know, not not what I would have liked to have seen. He wasn't crawling at the end, but he wasn't wasn't powering home, put it that way. So some work to be done for Tappet's uh, Conquest. But I think he had, it's also worth noting, he's almost paired up buyers. 85 in this race, 84 in the run prior. If he moves forward, let's say he gets into a mid-90, gets enough points to get into the derby, you never know. But I think mentally he still has quite a ways to go. As far as the girls are concerned, this was about the only thing I was right about all weekend. It was a, it was a brutal weekend in New Orleans for many reasons, but uh, especially so gambling-wise. Pretty mischievous was the bailout. Got me out of Dodge in a big, big way. She wins. She pays over $18. Hoosier Philly, I think it's a, a a cautionary tale. Okay? Always, always, always keep this in mind. Specifically when they are first coming back off of a layoff. And first start as a three-year-old. She broke a little bit slow. I thought she should have done more at the top of the lane. That's not my point. My point is, if you strip the names out of the past performances going into last week's race, I'm going to read you the last out buyer speed figures in the field. 88, 81, 80, 79, 72, 66. The buyer from two back, 76, 76, 72, 64, 63, 61. Now, just on those two runs alone, for all of those horses, you tell me that there's a two to five shot in there. There's not. She was two to five on the projection that she would move forward in a massive way. And she didn't, and I'm not holding that against her. I don't think anyone should. It may be a blessing in disguise for everyone involved with her. But she had no edge on figs, no real edge anyway. She needed to improve, and she did not. The other girls improved marginally, and it was still enough to win. Pretty mischievous, I think, is good. I think she needs to continue to improve. I'm not, you know, stating anything brilliant there. But an 83 buyer is not fast enough to win the Kentucky Oaks. 
let's assume she improves in the fairgrounds oaks maybe she gets up into a, a mid high 80 you know then does a low 90 win the kentucky oaks maybe it does maybe it doesn't um but all things considered just keep that in mind with any of these horses making their three-year-old debut yes logically the maturation the physical maturation they should improve but when they've been gone for a long time they're spotting the field recency they don't hold any true edge on numbers could be right right for the picking with all that said i still think you want to keep hoosier philly in the back of your mind she's not going to be a derby horse at this point but she can absolutely still win a race like the kentucky oaks i would think anyway with that race out of the way let me know what your thoughts are about those two races from the fairgrounds last weekend now let's shift our attention to the two races happening here locally oakland park on saturday afternoon we'll begin with the honeybee and then we'll roll in to the rebel this is very funny as i was going through looking at the honeybee and, and making the my fair odds line my value line uh, i was listening to the players pod with ptf and nick tamaro and I, I burst out laughing when nick brought up his point of basically what i said in the open he said on the most recent pod about who's your philly about if you just look at those her the figs that the girls had earned leading into that race last saturday in what world is that a two to five shot neither here nor there if you are curious about that or anything else the fellas had to talk about on players pod you can find it on all the podcast feeds including youtube let's talk about the honeybee grade three event race number 10 on saturday here at oakland three-year-old phillies a mile and a 16th on the only track here at oakland the dirt track it, it's i think the most compelling part of this race to me is that there is no standout and if there is a standout i could be wrong been wrong a lot before and be wrong again as have all of you. I think the standout may be a horse that is under the radar. Right in post position order. We'll start with that horse. Effortless, try it again. Effortlessly elegant for Norm Cassie. Broke the maiden last time out. 74 buyer speed figure. First start as a three-year-old. First start off a lengthy layoff. Caught a wet track. Wins by almost five lengths. Visually, I thought was fantastic. That's not even the race that I'm really intrigued by. I like to see speed. I like to see the way that she finished that day, the whole nine. The career debut was genuinely an impossible trip. My entire note, bit awkward, shuffled back early, moved up mid-pack, tight between 2-3 path while hard held, steadied into the far turn, checked again hard 2-3 path between, then again near the top of the lane, Toward rear 5-6 path, given cue, finish full of run down the center of the track. Gallop out was strong. Spark note, miserable trip. Horse can run. She comes back on January the 29th. She scooted clear quickly going into the far turn, rolled on a loose lead. I just thought it was a really, really impressive effort, all things considered. The distance I don't think is going to be a problem. I think if she gets two turns, you know, that's really the only question. It's not a matter of is a mile and a 16th going to be the thing that gets her beat. It's can she handle two? I don't see any reason why she couldn't. And I'm not afraid of her being a need-to-lead type based on that career debut. She's 20-1 to on the morning line. I made her 6-1, to and she's actually going to be my pick in here. The two, Toehead, I thought would arguably be my sort of second choice in here. Broke the maiden two starts back. That was her second route race on dirt. Ran really well there that day. Won in gate-to-wire fashion. Comes back, and I thought she was really, really strong. 
winning that N1X race here on January the 20th. She had a great trip, but visually she was really impressive, and she, more importantly, moved up her buyer pretty significantly to an 82. I made her 6-1 to one as well from a 9-2 to morning line. Grand Love, I made 6-1 to one from a 3-1 to one morning line for Steve Asmussen. I don't like this filly. Nothing personal. It has more to do with... For me, if you're liking her, you're basing it on the two-year-old form and that 84 buyer she earned in the debut. The problem is that came going one turn, and the other two times that she's gone out of ground, she's gotten short at the end of all of them. So even if she clears off to the front, you're probably going to have effortlessly elegant right behind her. And I just don't love Grand Love's chances of getting the distance. But the reason I'm at least giving her the respect of 6-1, to one, which is roughly 14% win odds, is because those numbers as two-year-olds or those two-year-old numbers, I should say, are arguably as good, if not better, than what these other girls have earned as three-year-olds so far. So on the chance that she does get back to those numbers, she's a major player in this race. I don't like her. I would be against her in this spot. I won't use her in multi-race bets. But I think 6-1, to one, in my eyes, is a fair estimation of her chances of winning. Gambling Girl, I made her 10-1 to one for Pletcher and Rad Ortiz Jr. coming in from New York. Comes out of the Busanda. You know, ran fine enough in that spot, but she's not particularly fast. I don't think distance will be a problem, but I'm not sure that she's good enough, and I think she might get a little bit of play purely on the connections. Condensation. I made her 13-1 to from a 12-1 to morning line for Chris Hartman. One last out in Gates Wire fashion. You take a look at the other victories in this one's career. She's been close to the pace throughout. Uh, my question is, how far does she really want to go? They stretched her out in that run last time out. She ran well, yes. But she got a little drifty toward the end of the run, and I'm not totally convinced that against better horses she can get away with that. The six take charge Brianna goes out for Wayne Lucas, 20 to 1 on the morning line. I made her 50 to 1. Uh, simply put, I think if she wins more an indictment on this field than anything else, you go through, she's run eight times. Most recent start, she earned a 67 buyer. In her second lifetime start, she earned a 70 buyer. She's not gotten any better. She just runs kind of the same race each and every time. She's not for me in here. If she wins, she'll be a big price. Wet Paint, I could see being the favorite in here for Brad Cox. Flavian Pratt won the Martha Washington on a wet track, rallied into slow fractions just purely based on pace figs from Time Form US. Now, the concern with that would be, yes, the pace was on the sluggish side, but the pace fell apart. Anyone that was close to it finished up the track. So in my eyes, that could be one of those that's a bit of an illusion in the fact that eh, maybe it was a little more taxing than it seems at face value, and I think you always have to factor that in. Also, in her runs two and three starts back, she nearly paired up buyers 67 and 68, and she moved up to a 77. I wonder if you got the forward move there, and I wonder if she just gets overbet a little bit off of that last running line. She's 7-2 to two on the line. I made her 6-1. to one. I have four fillies in here at 6-1. to one. Those are the lowest prices. I would not be betting any of them at anything less than that. Someone's going to say, or, well, maybe most of you that listen by now know where I'm coming from, but some people go, well, you'll never make a bet at that point. Maybe not on this race. If any of those girls are shorter than that, they're, they're toss-outs for me. From a win standpoint, if you're playing multis, you know, I guess you can make exceptions. But for me, I think she's going to be an underlay. Defining purpose, 9-2 to morning line. I made her 13-1 to for Kenny McPeak. The Martha Washington, she comes out of that wet paint race. She was close to the pace, got a little bit tired at the end. Theoretically, you could make the argument that, again, she was part of that pace that came apart. So shouldn't you upgrade her and potentially downgrade wet paint? 
I just don't love the progression. Last four runs, 71, 70, 79, 72. I don't know that she's getting better. It's part of the rationale for me with effortlessly elegant is that she's already run as fast, if not faster, or close to what most of these other girls have done. And I think there's still plenty of scope for improvement. Some of these other fillies, I, I, where's it coming from? I think it would be an unforeseen move forward. So that's why I'm playing against many of them. Boss Lady Bailey is the nine. She's 12 to one on the line. I made her 13 to one for John Ortiz. She ran second to Toehead. I thought she ran well that day. That was first time Lasix. My concern or my thought is how do you make up the difference between her and Toehead? And if you do so, you also then need to beat everyone else. I think she's got a tall task in front of her. Do, do, do you want to dance? Dallas Stewart, first time going out in his barn, coming off of a lengthy layoff. Haven't seen her since December at Remington Park. Uh, the runs two and three starts back are solid enough for two-year-olds. I'd love to know what happened in the trapeze where she just completely dropped anchor. I made her 30-1 to one from the 20-1 to one line. I suppose you could look at her as a bit of a wild card in here. Olivia Twist. I don't know why she stopped as badly as she did when the real running began in the Martha Washington, but she did. But going back to what I just mentioned, it seems like there is a scenario in which, you know, maybe it was actually not as bad as it seems, despite the fact that the pace on paper was slow. I think it is also worth noting that was the first time she's run without Lasix, and she stopped badly. She will not get Lasix here, as this is a three-year-old points race. That would be a concern for me. I made her 20 to 1. And on the outside, taxed for Randy Morrison, Rafael Bejarano. I, I think she won the battle and lost the war, getting run down by wet paint. She's been big prices in each of the last two races. I think she's good. The concern is to this point, the only victory has come in gate to wire fashion. I don't envision a scenario in which she makes the front here in this race. And for that reason, I am out. I made her 25 to 1 from a 15 to 1 morning line. The Oaklawn Park Race 10 on Saturday is the Honeybee, a grade three event. The three-year-old Phillies, Oaks points on the line. I'm going with the inside runner, the one effortlessly elegant. She's 20 to one on the morning line. I've made her fair odds, six to one. And the grade two Rebel for the boys, mile on a 16th main track, the exact same thing as the Honeybee, which I wish more tracks would do because this is, I, I know it's, it's Phillies versus boys, but to have two races the exact same configuration run back to back you're going to have a, a genuine sort of comp as far as final time is concerned assuming nothing bizarre happens with the racetrack or the weather and i know you use different sets of pars for the sexes to kind of you know come to a number but it is genuinely going to be as close to a one-to-one -one comparison as you'll find i think verifying is very good He's down on the inside. The field he defeated, I think, is even more impressive than maybe what he's done on the racing surface, on the racetrack. Second and third place finishers both come back and win next out. One nearly pairs up buyers. We'll talk about Gun Pilot in a moment. Two Eagles River comes back and proves the buyer by eight points, breaking the maiden, or excuse me, winning an N1X. I have a difficult time envisioning Gun Pilot as much as I like him making up five lengths on verifying. Now, the fly in the ointment could be the pace scenario because I think there's going to be some other gas early thrown at this horse, and I don't know what Flo's going to do from the inside. If they send hard, are you going to use or are you going to be content taking up kind of that pocket trip and trying to work something out from there? I think he's good. 
I've made my feelings about justify very clear. I'm, I'm always a little skeptical. I know it's early, but I don't know how far they're going to want to go. He may be an exception. I think he probably gets more of that on the bottom. This is, uh, I believe, Midnight Bisu's little sister, or little brother, rather. I made him 3-1. to one. He's 2-1 to one on the morning line. I have a feeling he goes off closer to 6-5, to 7-5. to five. That's just a guess on Thursday afternoon. The 2 is powerful for Steve Asmussen. First start as a 3-year-old. Did some good things as a 2-year-old. Against a field like this, off a lengthy layoff, gone for a few months, uh, a number of questions that need to be answered. I made him 25-1 to one from the 20-1 to one morning line. Red Route 1, another Asmussen runner. I don't know what to make of this horse other than I think there's something here. I think there's something here. To me, he's very green still. You see, he, he changes leads constantly, and he's run into some bizarre trips. He had a trip to back in the Kentucky Jockey Club, uh, the Southwest most recently. He's the only one making up ground late. The minute he feels the stick on the outside, he hops to his left lead, but he runs on well. I don't know if Saturday's the day, but I, I think there is a race for this horse. He needs to continue to improve. He has a little bit of Tappet's Conquest in him. Going back to the top of the show, the idea of, I think there is talent. The mind is not there yet. Now, if this pace is genuinely hot, Red Route 1 probably has every opportunity to come and get at least a, a minor award, if not the whole thing. I made him 9-1 to one from a 10-1 to one line. Gun Pilot. And by the way, I am debating picking Red Route 1. I will not have a, a solidified answer here. We'll get to the other horse I'm kind of flirting with, but Red Route 1 is one I'm considering. Gun Pilot, as I said, I like that he's paired up the tops, 87, 88. I loved the finish in the last run, that N2L, destroyed Bourbon Bash. I just don't know. How, how do you make up five lengths on verifying? You need verifying to regress, and you need Gunpilot to move forward. And even having said that, I made him 6-1 to one from an 8-1 to one line. Giant Mischief, another Brad Cox runner. I made him 5-1. to one. He's not going to be 5-1, to one, I don't think, anyway. 5-2 to two on the morning line. Arad Ortiz Jr. has the mount. The run in the springboard mile at Oaklawn, or excuse me, at Remington, in December last year, to break as badly as the horse did, and to make a move on the far turn, just driving around horses. It looked like a car. Just driving around animals. Bait up five lengths in the blink of an eye. And no, he didn't finish the deal off. But the horse that won, the local horse, had a much better trip up the inside. And I think he's a pretty talented horse in his own right. But that was a really encouraging effort from this horse. Now, when I look at the pedigree, into mischief, fine, do whatever. I'm never going to believe the vertical oak until proven otherwise. I know giant oak is the, you know, the sire, but vertical oak was speed, 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 short, short, short. I want to see this horse come back before I go fully buying in at a, at a route of ground. I'll be very curious to see how he runs on Saturday. I won't be picking him, but he's arguably the most intriguing horse in the entire race. Reincarnate, first time for Tim Yachtin from the Bob Baffert barn. Won the sham. Newgate comes back. The horse he defeated by a neck. Wins next out. One of those stakes races. Improves to a 100 buyer. 
reincarnate was on the best part of the racetrack. It's Santa Anita. It's speed. That's where you want to be going two turns. He's done nothing wrong in five starts, but I don't love him. He can win, but I'm against him here. He's seven to two on the line. I made him nine to one. And I know that's not going to happen, but that's my opinion of his chances of winning. I think he wins this race 10% of the time. Confidence game made him 20 to one for Keith DeSormo. He's an interesting horse too, because he's run really, really gutsy races on a few different occasions. The problem or my problem with him is the two wins have come in gate to wire fashion. I'm not sure that he makes the front in this spot. And even if he does, I think he probably wins the battle, loses the war sort of thing. But maybe you can use him underneath. He's only been off the board once in six lifetime starts. And he's been prices almost every time. Uh, Talladega, 99 to one, you know, no disrespect. He's just, if he wins or does anything meaningful here, um, I will lose. Uh, Event Detail is the other horse for me, for Paulo Lobo. 30 to 1 in the morning line. I made him 10 to 1. I don't know if he can dirt. I'm not going to hold the first race against him. The last two runs, though, both going two turns, both of them on synthetic, nearly paired up tops, 80 and 79. It's the, it's the move on the far turn both times that I think has been the most impressive. And the thing that makes me think that even if he's not a dirt horse, this horse can run. He had pace to run at in that last start, I know, but he finished like a good thing. Two starts back, more importantly, he made up a significant amount of ground and just couldn't get to a loose on the lead type, who I believe was a Brad Cox runner. I think this horse is good. I won't fault anyone that that fades him because they don't know about his ability to handle dirt. But th- I, I think there's I think there's talent here. I think there's real talent here. So event detail or Red Route One, those are the two that I'm most interested in. Both of them on the same kind of premise. I think they're improving. I think they're going to get pace to run out here on Saturday. Two turns is not an issue for either of them, and they're both going to be prices, especially with the the Cox duo in here. Bourbon Bash made him 25 to 1 from a 20 to 1 morning line. Nice horse. No match for Gun Pilot. He was no match for Frosted Departure. He finished behind Powerful. He finished behind Red Route 1. I just don't see him turning the tables on all of these runners. And Frosted Departure, I've never really been a huge fan of. Uh, I think he's a fine horse and just a fine horse at that. I think he's going to have a hard time against most of these runners in here. I made him 50 to 1 from the far outside. So, again, I'm, I'm torn. Still have a little bit of time before I have to lock into a pick. But the three Red Route 1 and the nine event detail, those are the two that I am I'm going back and forth on as far as a pick is concerned. I'm more likely going to go with event detail, but don't hold that. Don't hold me to that just yet. Got a few days. Let me know your thoughts about the Grade 2 Rebel. Here on Saturday, it's race number 11 at Oakland Park, scheduled post time 523 Central. You can find this race and all the other races on the Oakland card on FanDuel TV here this weekend. Looking forward to checking out these two races and getting ready for all the other races that are to come, including Fountain of Youth next weekend at Gulfstream. The following week, I'll be at Tampa Bay Downs for the Tampa Bay Derby. And then I have to look at the calendar and see where I am after that. But it's here, there, and everywhere. It is Derby season the race is on to steal Jason Beam's line. Uh, again, thoughts, comments, questions. Beat the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. As always, please rate, review, subscribe. However you listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the moneypodcast.com. Also over on YouTube. And while you're at it, 
thumbs up, thumbs down, five-star rating, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill by now. Uh, oh, and if you're on YouTube, make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money media channel. That's going to do it for me. Best of luck this weekend, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been the 150th episode of The Brain.